0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining, the first of the monthly episodes. This, for December 2016, we'll be discussing Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And it's actually going to be a little bit different than you're used to hearing because we are recording locally. We are not in the same location as we usually are. And joining me via Skype, so hopefully there's no issues, is one Mr. Alex DeWahey. Alex, welcome back. Thank you, Nathan. Good to be here, as always. Good to have you. Uh, I, I'm weird not seeing your face right now to be able to kind of understand what your your body language is telling me. So I'm smiling. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I can picture Let that. You know. All right. <laughs> and because we're online and because we love him so much, we've also invited a familiar voice to the show to join us this evening. Just to prove to everybody... Because there's been a conspiracy theory out there that Mo and Alex were the same person, and that's why they were never on the show together. So, to dispel that rumor, welcome to the show, Mo.
1: Hi, I'm Mo, not Alex. <laughs> I totally thought about just jumping right in. There'd be like, was, "Thanks, Nathan, to be like, here." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know if I can do it, Alex's voice, because my voice is very bleh and it doesn't have male you know, tones and things." Don't tell Jess that, because she's gonna make me a famous voice actor. Uh, <laughs> Jess, if you're listening, forget what he just said. Yeah, I didn't say that. That was Alex. This is Mo, who's a much better voice actor. Is and, this is this really a thing, though, Nathan? I mean, do really do people really think
2: that? We're the same person? Has this been like a thing? I didn't know about this.
1: Oh, it's
0: all over the internet. Uh, Vanity Fair had an article on it the other day.
1: Oh my gosh. I told him that we're totally different. I drive mopeds and he drives mopeds. Way different. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, this is how this the show's going to go all night, I guarantee. the pause was different, so that makes it different.
0: <laughs> and uh, the reason uh, we are recording this uh, in a different kind of setting, ladies and gentlemen, is because we saw Rogue One. And we saw it last night at the 10 p.m. showings. And so to go ahead and get this put out as soon as possible for you guys, we went ahead and recorded now. So before we go into the movie itself, because there will be an a in-depth discussion from our panelists here tonight... Uh, I just want to ask you guys, what was the vibe like in the theater? Uh, Alex, what was the vibe like over there? Uh,
2: it was it was good. It was excitable as uh, I expected it to be. wasn't quite as many people there as there was for uh, the episodic release, episode seven. Um, I got there about nine, and first I saw it at uh, you know Carmike, so some would consider that like the premier theater here in Peoria. Um, I saw the only showing in IMAX 3D that they had. I saw the early showing, so it was the first showing at 7. And I got there actually like, like at 5.30. And there was hardly anybody there. Uh, there was maybe like five or six people in line outside the theater ahead of me. Um, and I was like, okay, this is
0: outside I mean, of it's the
2: theater. good. Yeah, like waiting outside the theater. The cinema uh, or the theater? Out, outside the actual door to get into the auditorium. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh okay, is this, I mean, it's not a good sign. There's not that many people here. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just expecting more from the last time. Uh, but as it got closer to the seven o'clock time, there were quite a few people. Their line was wrapping around the whole hallway. Um, and then once they let us in, I went, I, I got my seats, got good seats, you know, front, center. Um, and, you know, I went to get some snacks and that place was packed. So that was good to see. Um, a lot of people dressing up, a lot of lightsabers, very excited. People cheered when they saw the Lucasfilm logo come up. So it was good. I mean, th- these movies are – showings like that are why they made theaters. I always say that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so it's, the, the experience is great.
0: Awesome. Mo, how about you? for you? Uh, you saw the premiere showing, right?
1: Yep. Uh, I saw two – or I saw it twice last night. I saw it at 7 and I saw it at 10.15. Um, the seven o'clock showing, I saw it in IMAX theater, um, here at Regal, uh, in San Antonio. Um, very, it was like, like Alex was saying, the cheering was there, the people lining up. I had bought my ticket a week early. I think that's when they went out. Wasn't last week. Something like that. When they were available for purchase. Okay. Um, so I got a pretty good seat. Um, theater was packed out, but then the 1015, which is the Regal RPX. So it's not as expensive as the IMAX, but it's still Very, very nice. Less people. um, A lot of open seats. Like, more than I expected. And there was a group who cheered more for the Marvel commercial. Like, what do we we call that? The trailer? Mm -hmm. Than they did for the intro, which was very reversed from the first showing. (laughs) So that was kind of... Like, it was one of those where I noticed it and I was like, are y'all just trying to be, like, trolls? Or are you legit (laughs) that big of Marvel fans? But um, both showings were really, really good. Uh, I love the IMAX theaters. I prefer them wholeheartedly. I wish I could set up my own IMAX theater in my house. But I think you have one, don't you? Not yet. Yeah. I do pretty a close. F- <laughs> I don't have the sweet projector.
0: <laughs> well, you don't need one with a seventy-five inch TV. Uh, she is pretty. <laughs> All you gotta Thank do you is get a really nice, uh, like Bose surround sound system. You'd be, you'd be set. <laughs> we looked. We're, we're not ready to pull the trigger yet. Before you do, make sure you talk to me, because there's some features you need to look for.
1: Okay. So Sounds
0: good. So, for my showing, I went and saw it also in Peoria, but in a different location. Went to the Peoria Riverfront Museum Theater. They have a giant screen theater there. I went to the 7 o'clock and the 10 o'clock showing. Uh, 7 o'clock was in 2D, and the 10 o'clock was in 3D. And... Before the 7 o'clock, I mean, it was packed. That was a sold-out showing. It was, you know, everybody was out there. There wasn't some people dressed up, just a couple people. Uh, and Myself included, I was not dressed up. I did have my lightsaber, but my batteries weren't charged, so I failed. <laughs> so I just walked around with a lightsaber with, without able to turn it on or anything, but, you know, whatever. And we, you know, walked around, got to talk to a lot of people there. I probably had at least, like, 30 people that came, like, as a result of me, like, getting people to come to the theater uh, for the 7 o'clock showing. And then three of my buddies stuck around and saw the 10 o'clock with me. So uh, it was a little bit uh, more... And the 10 o'clock was about three-fourths full inside there. But when I walked out of the 7 o'clock showing, there was a ton of people in line. Like, that line went a ways uh, back there towards the main entrance area. So there's a lot of people standing in line. I did have uh, the... There was one kid... That was walking out, and as I was standing in line there, because I, I just got towards the back end of the line, and he's, he saw me, and he knew that I was gonna watch it again, because I had like a Dunder Mifflin shirt on, and he's like talking to me earlier before that. And he's like, You're gonna. Spoilers, everybody, by the way, spoilers from this point. Spoilers. If you haven't watched it, spoilers. The kid says to me, without any regard to anybody else in line, Oh, so you're gonna go watch them all die again? And I'm just like, dude, shh. And there was a guy like two feet away that just turned his head and gave this kid a death stare. And I was just like.
1: Almost like a death star.
0: (laughs) Just had an E. But it (laughs) it was just like, I mean, the kid's a kid, right? He doesn't probably understand the whole concept of that, but. His dad was, like, right there, too, and he, like, grabbed him. So uh he, he ushered him out the, out of the theater so he didn't spoil anybody else's experience. But dude, that would stink, right? Uh, I would hate to go and just... Which I heard, you know, when Empire Strikes Back came out. That was kind of the thing because people were waiting for, to go see the movie. People would walk out. And then the other people would be like, oh, I can't believe Luke is, you know, Vader's kid or whatever. So just kind of kind of crazy experience. I got a chance to just kind of meet briefly uh dan zare and Corey club from coffee with kenobi the podcast dedicated to star wars they were out there at the riverfront museum they were doing a live podcast from the show uh nissan was also out there with a nissan rogue the special star wars rogue one edition um it's like a stormtrooper it has like a rogue one badge on it and it has star wars everywhere on that thing and imperial insignia and uh, rebel insignia and it looks really cool. If I was in the market for a car, it would be in the running, but I'm not, so uh, it's just kind of cool that they have that synergy, I guess you could call it, with Lucasfilm to be able to do a Star Wars licensed car. I don't think this has ever been done before. It's kind of neat, but I'm, I'm sure that there's some like huge Star Wars collector or super fans that are just selling whatever car they have to get this one right now. I'm not to that level, but it is a nice little, little car. So, the movies, again, were really well represented for people that were in there, and the first showing was packed out, second showing, about three-fourths full, and it was an enjoyable experience. People all cheered when the Lucasfilm logo came up, and when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away came up. For the, We did have one uh, trailer ahead of this movie. One reason why I like watching movies at this location is because they hardly ever have advertisements or trailers, because you go to a typical movie theater, there's like concessions ads there's ads for this and that's for the projector company and ads for the, everything else for them at, at the movie time it is hey this is a dlp monitor project- projector by whoever i think it's barco and then here's whatever trailer we have to play with this movie which was the guardians one and then here's the movie so there's no like 30 or 40 minutes of trailers alex it's just right into the movie
2: so. so you probably saw everything before I did cuz I don't think my showing actually started till well after 7:30 even though the the showing time was 7.
0: That's ridiculous. That's
2: cuz we we had probably like <laughs> six or seven trailers once the lights dimmed and and they made, you know, guy got up in the front, and they made announcements like "Does everybody have their 3D glasses?" Well, if you don't have it by now then you you've just failed and you shouldn't get a second chance.
0: <laughs> oh, by the way, 3D glasses at the showing they gave out these special 3D glasses. One was like modeled after a Death Trooper, one after a Storm Trooper, and one after like in a you know a Rebel person. So uh, they were three different kinds, and you could take them home. They were like years to keep. So it was kind of cool uh, being able to take those home. They'll be in my shelf somewhere in a box somewhere, I'm sure, for my Star Wars stuff <laughs> down the road. Um,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, I, I paid thirty dollars for a uh, small popcorn, a couple drinks, and a piece of candy. <laughs> Uh, what piece of candy? Yeah, crunchy candy to go with the uh, intense movie.
0: <laughs>
1: I was nice. going to ask. Did, did oh, they I recommend was
2: hoping it?
0: that. It's like, what what candy did you go up and ask him? What candy do you recommend with this movie? It was
2: awful. I didn't get any recommendations for this one. It just oh, completely man. destroyed the experience.
0: <laughs> Dropping the ball car, uh, I know, right? <laughs> was the last movie you saw in the theater, Doctor Strange? Yes. Yeah, so, all right, so compare your experience to see this movie to when you saw Doctor Strange at the theater. Oh
2: okay, so first of all, I I can't stress enough the importance of reserved seating in theaters now. Oh, I love it. I, and it doesn't always need, I mean, it doesn't need to be every single showing all the time, but for showings like this that are going to be sold out, to eliminate people waiting hours and hours in line, you need reserve seating. It just—it's—it's it's gotta happen. It's gotta be a thing. Um, The—the seats—I I don't really care too much, but the seats that were the, the AMC theater we saw down in Atlanta, super comfortable. You know, much more comfortable. I felt like I had my own space there, even though the theater was was packed. The theater was packed here. and and I feel a little uneasy every time somebody is on the left and right sides of me. I don't know if it's just because they're closer or there's not as much arm privacy in between. But definitely, I prefer the AMC
0: Theater down in Atlanta. So what we're saying here is, hey, Peoria, you're close. We need to have a premier theater to come in, be revamped or whatever that offers yeah. a couple of just really nice cinemas for these big showings that offer reserved seating. And then, you know, the other ones can be traditional, whatever. But come on. Heck, yeah, we'll still even to pay the for the popcorn and everything. But just give us some wrestling seating. Yes, get with. And, you know, they only have one
2: theater there that's really like their premiere theater, their IMAX 3D theater. They got, like, the little party room outside. That's the theater that they need to do the work on, right? Because for premieres like this, That'd be phenomenal. I mean, they won't pack as many people in there if they give out more space for the seats. But I'd pay a premium to have reserved seating and a more comfortable seat, you know, with some privacy, some space. It, it definitely needs to be considered.
0: Yeah. Mo, do you have assigned seating down there
1: or is it pretty um, much all just free both for Both of mine were uh, assigned seating. That's so awesome. Both oh. And both have the recliner chairs, <sighs> um, like where you push the button and your feet go up and you tilt back. Um, I always sit – like, my wife hates it because it's a little too close for her. But because I'm so big, like, the way I stretch out, it's fine for me. Um, I sit in the third row. So it's the – you know how you have that middle walkway that kind of splits the theater in two sections? It's the last row in that front section. That's too close for me, do. But the reason I like it is when I stretch out, because I'm so big – My head's not in the lap of the person behind me. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like, Maybe just just have your wife sit behind you? We thought about that, but then it's (laughs) creepy because I'm holding neighbor's hands, and it just gets weird, and we're not trying to do that again. Um, But so both were reserved seatings. Um, I I normally like to be in the middle to the right, like just to the right of the screen. I don't know why. Both I end up on the edge, though. So. But, yeah, really enjoyed it. And the IMAX one was 30 bucks for the ticket, which is a little higher than I normally for wouldn't pay. For one ticket? For one, just for me. Oh. So, but it was worth it for that seat. Uh, the second, the 1015 showing was, I think, 16
0: How does it go from 30 to 16 How How different was the showings?
1: Um, the IMAX one was 3D. The RPX isn't. So maybe okay, the it's... IMAX 3D. And then whatever, because it's like an eight dollar surcharge, or whatever it is. That's crazy. I mean, maybe it's like 25, then, but it's pretty high. I think I did it on Fandango, so maybe that's where the, the five bucks came from. Oh, okay, oh, the oh, convenience, convenience chain, yep. yeah, yeah, FanDango. <laughs> because it, it took a whole gift card to do it. Wow,
0: so. so okay, so Mo, you and I both saw 2D and 3D showings, Alex, mm-hmm. you saw just a 3D showing, right? Correct okay so let's talk about the 3d on this movie first um personally seeing the 2d and then the 3d i can't recommend this movie in 3d it there it didn't do anything for me there was nothing that popped out on the screen and again it could be my showing but it didn't do anything at all for me that would say oh wow 3d in this movie is worth it like doctor strange yeah it was worth it and that's a movie that i actually recommend in 3d but this one has
1: had nothing did, did you guys notice anything I don't remember one moment where there was like, other than that, like the intro thing, before where they tell you to put your glasses on. That's the only 3D moment I remember.
0: Yeah, the Guardians trailer had a nice 3D in it, but yep. that's about it. Alex? It, it wasn't too heavy on
2: the, the 3D moments. I, I was expecting a little more out of, I don't know, some of the visuals uh, to have great depth being in 3D. I thought I'd get to see some pretty cool shots uh like the death star larger than life and and i did it just it didn't stand out to me in a 3d way um but i'm not disappointed that i saw it in 3d the next showing that i'm going to see this weekend i'm going to go see it in 2d so i'll have something to compare it to
0: yeah but i mean the thing is at that theater if you want to see it the first showing it's always in 3d which is it's terrible i just i usually want to see a movie in 2d i don't want to see it in 3d yeah
2: my preferred method of seeing a movie is IMAX 2d because I love the huge clarity of the screen I just I don't
1: necessarily need the 3d mm-hmm. that's mine too but it was sold out that's why I went with the IMAX 3d
0: so which is fair
1: yeah. okay so Alex you were saying something
0: before I jumped in there or did you finish that thought already uh, I lost it okay you lost it you'll <laughs> you'll never get it back. Was let's it important? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's jump into this movie then, okay? Let's jump into hyperspace and come out on the other side. So Alex, what what's your initial thought overall? Uh what was you what were you expecting really going into it? And do you think that you got what you wanted out of it?
2: and uh I'm trying to figure out where i want to begin uh, the the main answer to your question is yes it was what i had expected i didn't set my expectations too high because i didn't want to be disappointed but at the same time it's star wars so my expectations were like through the roof because it's star wars and i get excited about star wars um it took a little bit to get into for me it it i mean they they laid the groundwork they you know brought and in, introduced the characters i mean you know if you think about it, they have a constricted storyline that they have to work with they have to tell this story it has to end a certain way kind of but and they have to introduce all these new different characters make you care about them and then you know whatever happens to them they have to kind of you know finalize that off all in the same film um, so you know, it it felt a little dragged out to me at times, and th- that's really my only complaint. But like the nostalgia part of me, I, I was in heaven for most of the movie. I just, you know what I mean. I just, I loved all the little callbacks, um, all the nostalgia. Um, the, the visuals were amazing. Once that third act hit, it it just, it just killed it. Um, So for the most part, yes, I enjoyed the movie, and and we'll get more in-depth as we keep talking about it. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. It was what I expected. I still think Episode Seven was better. I don't think you need to see this movie to enjoy the rest of Star Wars, but as a fan, you're going to want to see this movie.
0: And to add on to your comment about seeing this movie to enjoy the rest of Star Wars— so I saw it twice last night, and as soon as I came home, I popped in A New Hope. <laughs> and I got to tell you that it really jazzed me to watch A New Hope again. It kind of amplified, you know, just seeing everything that they went through for those those Death Star plans. And then, you know, where it, it opens up in A New Hope and invader's finishing that chase that you see start there in uh, yep. Rogue One. It was just really cool way to put that together. But Mo, how about you?
1: All right, so for the listeners to understand, um, my first Star Wars movie was three. And then that made me go watch one and two. And then eventually I got to four, five, and six. Seven is my favorite one of all time. So knowing that, what I liked about this movie was you don't have to watch any of those to understand what's happening. Like, you can just jump into this one if you've never seen a Star Wars movie and have a good story. Like the beginning is gonna confuse you because you go, what's this scientist doing? Like, what's going on here? I don't get that. But the rest of the movie, you're fine. Like, maybe the first ten minutes is where you run into trouble. Um, I really like that about it. I had a lot of qualms with the movie, just overall, but we'll talk about it as we get into it. But for me, um, when I'm looking at it and I'm sitting down, and I really love to like rate things, this is to me, the ninth best Star Wars movie. And, and if you say, vest. there are two Star Wars movies that people like to ignore that I consider 100% canon, and they both involve Ewoks. Do you know the names? <laughs> uh, Caravan of Courage. There's
0: one. And, oh, what is the other one? I can't
1: remember the other one off the top of my head. It, it's the and second one. It has one. the word battle in it. The battle for Endor. Oh. Eh. I, I count both those as a canon. So...
0: I don't I don't think Lucasfilm counts them as canon.
1: Well Lucasfilm's dumb then because Ewoks are awesome.
0: <laughs> so you would put Rogue One as your least favorite of the Star Wars No, films. no, no.
1: It's ninth. Least favorite is episode two. Ah, okay, gotcha.
0: Okay, yeah. we'll we'll get into that so we can understand your thoughts on it going in. My overall thoughts walking into this movie, I wanted I wanted um, a movie to focus on characters, right? a movie to, that's going to introduce us to some characters and lead us into bridging these prequel movies as, into the original trilogy movies in a way that, you know, Rebels has been doing and this will just be a way to interpret that on the big screen. I was looking forward to to really just understanding more about the imperial construction of the Death Star and everything that was behind that, you know, cuz this was there wasn't a lot of politics in this movie for sure like there were in some other ones. But there was military politics, for sure, in this movie. And there are aspects of that that I was really interested in. Um, And they were able to to do it really well, like with Tarkin and uh, Krennic, that kind of butting of heads that they had there. But going in, I just wanted a good movie with good effects that was part of the Star Wars lore. Because I, I, I love Rebels. And... Whatever they do in Rebels, I usually pretty much enjoy them. Um, And this was just like the best episode of Rebels, right? Because this was everything that you could want in an episode in between episodes three and four. So that's what I went in expecting on this movie. And that's pretty much what I got. And I really enjoyed what I I saw on the screen. What would have made this movie really great for me is any mention of the Emperor. Or not mention, any appearance of the Emperor. Because he was mentioned. Uh, So, in this movie, he was felt, for sure. His presence was there. But I would have loved to have Ian uh, on the screen doing a hologram or something to Tarkin or to Vader. That would have been amazing. I would have loved that. But as it stands, this was a solid movie. And I, I really enjoyed it a lot. It's not my favorite. We can get into that later on. But let's start with this discussion on this movie, particularly, where they start in this flashback sequence. And... You guys probably didn't have a chance to read the Catalyst novel, correct?
1: Nope. Nope.
0: Okay. So, brief synopsis of Star Wars Catalyst is it kind of leads in it introduces characters for Rogue One. Uh, you get introduced really well to Krennic, to Galen, to Lyra, and Jin is just maybe five or six, about the age that you see her when this movie begins, at the end of that book. And... It does a really good job establishing what they're trying to do with the Empire. What Galen's role was and how he fought that role but was eventually sucked into it. It really did a good job in fleshing that out where later on in this movie when she sees that hologram, it tries to do the same thing but it doesn't quite hit as hard as that book makes it go. And For me, as someone who has consumed the Catalyst book, it did a good job remembering, or bringing that to the fore, right? Where it was like, oh yeah, this is what he did in that book, and now he's just telling his daughter about it because this is the first time he's been able to do so type of situation. But, what did you guys think of this opening sequence? A, it goes just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, no crawl, and just goes right in to that opening sequence. What did you, what did you think of the sequence
1: and no crawl? Mo? I liked the no crawl part because this is a uh a shorter thing that you don't—they expect you not to need the backstory, but they also don't want that there for the, the new fans. Is how I interpreted it. So I liked there was no crawl. I didn't like the fact that we jumped to like twenty-five million different places in four minutes mm-hmm. with that two seconds of look at this and quick dialogue. Oh, now we're a different place. Mm-hmm. I was that that really like it spun me for a second. I was like, you couldn't have done this in a better way. Like, you're you're some of the best storytellers around. Like, I just... That kind of threw me for a loop, and I was really glad. Like, once it ended and we got into it, I was much happier than I was in that first, probably, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, so I agree once, with that. once you get gin, right? Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Once once she gets uh, rescued. Okay. Like, that's when I'm like, oh, good. We're done jumping around. Yep, I agree. Alex? So we're not putting
2: the cast... I mean, we're not putting Ocean's Eleven together here, right? I mean, you don't need to keep... <laughs> Jumping assembling around. the just, team. Yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this is just something that their paths happened to cross, right? We could have, we could have followed one, maybe two story arcs that just happened to intersect. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was definitely confused. I'm sitting there, and I always, I always, I don't know why I do this, but I always sit here and I. And my wife didn't go with me to see this movie, but I always kind of pretend, you know, if she was here, would she? Someone that doesn't know Star Wars as much as I do, would they be confused by this? And I think they would be. Jennifer, was. I mean, she was, yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, the, the names of the planets don't mean anything to anybody mm-hmm. that doesn't know that much about it, and uh, yeah, so I I can't agree with you more on that, Mo. It was definitely could have done been done in a better way.
0: hmm Yeah, the first few minutes, I think about about twenty minutes, like you said, is just kind of disjointed in a way that doesn't quite feel like it's 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 like it was tacked on in a way like they wanted to start the movie with her being rescued but they had to, for some reason thought they had to add some stuff in front of that and i think they would have been perfectly fine with just doing that flashback sequence with chronic ticking uh galen and then waking up with her getting rescued that would have been perfect
1: see and like i had pictured there being two montages in this movie like the whole time i've been building up to go see it and both, one was at the beginning, one was at the end, tying in episode three and episode four in some way. And I was really just kind of dumbfounded. Like, we didn't hear, like, I would have loved to have seen the ship that was carrying Luke and Layla and where they split. You just had to show us they were on there. You didn't have to like, tell us where they were going because we already know that. But, and then how that split turned into um, oh my goodness, the dad, Galen, is that his name?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then that turns into his story. Like, th- that was stuff that I i thought was going to happen that never did. You know what I mean? I thought there would be a better tie-in to these movies that show the continuation of the story. But this middle part was that meat and potatoes for how the stories came to be. I don't know. might just be me, though. So,
0: I never thought that even Luke and Leia would even be in this movie. I was surprised to see Leia at the end. But I like that tie. But, yeah, I was... I wasn't anticipating seeing that kind of stuff. I was fully thinking that this is going to be a movie that is the events of the opening crawl of episode 4 pretty much, right? That's that's what I was really anticipating going in.
1: That makes sense. You're a smart guy.
0: <laughs> Alex?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad they
1: didn't do the crawl
2: at the beginning. They want to separate themselves from the episodic movies um, it it was, it it took a little bit to get into, you know, I was actually kind of worried about maybe 30 minutes in. It's like, okay, let's, you know, let's pull it together and let's let's start getting on a track towards something that's immersive because at that point I I wasn't too immersed with what was going on. Um, but like I said, once, once we started to focus, once, you know, once the oceans 11 got together, (laughs) <laughs> right. And we were following that one, that one team. It was a lot better. And then when that third act hit, it was they they really hit their sweet spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and if they could have kept that, that intent, maybe not the intensity, because, you know, that's what made it special. But if they could have kept kind of that pacing throughout the whole movie, um, it didn't necessarily have to be, what, two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it was, um, two hours and 13 minutes. They They didn't even necessarily have to make it that long. Um, I would have just preferred better pacing
0: yeah pacing, but it did feel once you get past that first 20 minutes it goes quick I think the first twenty minutes kind of drags, but then after everybody's together and they start to formulate the whole team aspect of things, you know once they're on their way to Jeddah and go from there, it goes pretty quickly by the time that they're in scarif and you're like, oh wow, this is already they're already there now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I always compare it to Episode 7, right? Because Episode 7 had a little bit of a different task. They could tell whatever story they wanted to, so they had a little bit more freedom there. Um, but in the same way, they, they were still introducing and laying the groundwork for new characters. you know. And, and I think they did that in a much better way. Granted, they know that they're going to have two more movies to tell those character story and get the backstory, so maybe that plays a factor. But I don't know. I just... The, the pacing of Episode seven was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from the get-go, it was just nonstop. And this could have done that. In fact, I would have expected this could have done that more simply because they only have one movie to tell mm-hmm. this story. Pack in as much action as possible for me.
0: Yeah. And they do have a good amount of action. Like, the space battles in this movie rival some of the greats, I think. Um, I don't know if it's as good as Jedi but it's it's still pretty good. You did you see the uh cut scenes from 77
2: that were retouched in there using some of the same uh pilots?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, Red Gold Leader. Uh-huh. It was awesome. And speaking of scenes from the 70s, uh what about actors from the 70s? They rebuilt for a better term. They kind of CG'd Tarkin. So Peter Cushing played Tarkin, obviously he's uh, passed away since his role there in seventy seven, but what did you think of the CG Tarkin that they had?
1: I didn't know that was CG. Well, oh, that's good. So that that's one vote of like, confidence. I was just like, man, this guy looks really old and beat up. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that was a that was a computer. My bad. <laughs> My bad. What about, you, about you, Alex?
0: It?
2: So. He, he definitely looks CG to me, but again, that might just be because I know that Peter Cushing is dead. Um, I think Leia looked much more CG than he did. Um, and, I, and I think they chose to show only from, like, her, her neck up for that reason. It, it's almost better that she was in the scene by herself. Um, because, like, when you're looking at Grandma Tarkin, right— or I guess he's governor at this point, right? When you're when you're looking at him by himself, it's okay. When you look at him in a room with a bunch of people that are not CG, he stood out to me. Again, I could just this could just be me because I know that he's dead, right? But he had to be in this movie. And I think they're they're trying to pay respects to the actor that played him. I get it. It's nostalgic these characters would be around because these are major players in this universe at this time. There's no shame in recasting someone though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I could have seen it either way, but I know a lot of people are, are hating on the, the reanimation, uh, the CG characters. I really didn't mind it. I wouldn't have cared either way.
0: Yeah. And to me, Tarkin, I think it looks, it depends on what scene it is and what lighting it is. But sometimes it looks pretty good. Sometimes it definitely kind of shines out of CG. And definitely Leia at the end, she kind of just looks like Snow White, you know? Um, uh, And, like, I'm glad that she, and it could just be because, hey, we just saw Leia last year. And (laughs) she hasn't uh, aged well. But when you look at A New Hope and go from there like look back like i was watching a new hope after i watched episode uh or rogue one here it's not it 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 looks like it's right but it just looks maybe because of the lighting a little off you know what i mean but anyway but those were the two that i noticed that i think there was also the uh couple of the pilots were recreated or aged down as well a little bit too right alex um, so it looked like to me
2: I I don't I don't know this for a fact for the CG characters uh, Tarkin and Leia they use the same body stunt double for their physical body and they just touch their face obviously since it was a guy the when they show the front part of Leia they show her, her neck up to avoid any questions there um, but that's why they were able to use Tarkin's entire body in a room full of people because there was actually somebody physically there. As far as the pilots go, it looked like to me every time they showed like red or gold leader, because those were the two that they kind of focused in on, those were the ones that had several lines, the quality of the camera was significantly more poor than the other pilots, and that kind of indicated to me that they were actually using the same film, and it was just touched up. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, I don't have any confirmation to that. I do know the thing about the stunt double for Tarkin and Leia. I don't know about the pilots. Um, I mean, they sounded the same. Mm-hmm. So it was probably, I mean, you could piece together vocals from the original movie. But I don't know. Did, did anybody else catch that about the quality of the shots inside the cockpit when they were showing those original characters?
0: To me, it I, didn't really look good. Right, but... l- yeah, it didn't look like less quality, but just kind of like that cockpit haze a little bit around it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice at all, but I have probably watched uh, 4, 5, and 6, the least out of all the movies. So that might be why. Well, if you guys ever do go see
2: it again, maybe it's just me. I'll, I'm going to see it again this week. I'm going to take a look. But that, that was one thing that I noticed.
0: Okay. Report back, because I'm, I'm curious sure. to, to see that. Because it definitely sounds... Like the guys, like the gold leader and everything like that from before, or from episode four, and it was kind of interesting at that scene when Red Five was having some issues and he got blown up, and that frees up Red Five for Luke. <laughs> right. But uh, anyway, so in the middle of this movie, we we get past the intro and everybody's the the team is assembled, and they go to Jeddah. What do you guys think of Jeddah? Sounds like Jedi. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Well, that's it, the ancient, uh, supposedly the ancient Jedi, home, temple land, like their Jerusalem in a way. It, and you can definitely see the, uh, the way that that city was built. It was or that it kind of remind me of the old uh, city of Jerusalem as well. The way that they had that the walls and everything kind of positioned, and when they pan up to it, when you see it sitting there with the Star Destroyer above it.
2: Yeah, kind of like a holy land.
0: Mm-hmm. Mo, you were going to say something.
1: Uh, it brought my second favorite duo in a Star Wars movie, uh, Cheroot and Ball. Is that his name? The big guy? You mean the guys that were like
0: the Death Sentence on 12 Star systems? guys? The the blind guy with the staff. Oh, that the guy. Big dude. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't it was, know what it is. Like, I, like, I
1: think it was Sharut Im- Imue or something like that. And I could never catch the last name of the big guy, but the first name was like Ball or Bale or something like that. And I was like, these two are awesome. Like I, I legit had love for them. And I didn't realize, so I felt so dumb for this. So again, once we're spoiling things, I didn't realize they all had to die. Like that never came into my mind. And it wasn't until I was like, wait, these are the plans they got to blow up. Oh, we're blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're all gonna die awesome i love you too and you're not going to be around much longer and like that was my favorite part like when they got introduced it was like an instant connection for me like i instantly was like i really like both these characters mm-hmm. like i love the their way they talk to each other i love the way like the their fighting scenes um one is super quick and agile and then Ball just shows up and blasts everybody out with one shot. <laughs> I'm really hoping that gun pops up on Battlefront. By the way, <laughs> if it doesn't, it'll be a travesty. But the new maps are incredible. Uh, I like. It was awesome because after watching the movie, playing the new DLC mm-hmm. on that game, it looks I felt great. like. Yeah, I was like, I felt like I was in that fight that I had just watched. Yeah, and that was a really cool experience. But no, absolutely love those two characters, and like that introduction was perfect. Like, I don't know if you can write one better for those two.
0: So. Yeah, those two guys were actually really cool addition to the team, and I really like the, the Donnie Yen character because when they put the bag over his head so he doesn't see <laughs> yeah. where they're taking him, he's like, seriously, you guys? It's kind of that self-deprecating humor a little bit, but yeah, it was good. Um, and then there was that scene later on when they're on the Imperial planet uh, where he shoots down a TIE fighter. That was just awesome. Yeah. So... But in Jeddah, we also uh, kind of see their guerrilla warfare tactics that they're using there against the Empire. It reminded me a lot of real-world events, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you have yep. the people in, in, the, uh, in the tanks being attacked by the rebels and things like that. But I guess what it is, it's a rebellion. But it's a weird rebellion, because they don't agree with Forrest Whitaker's character, his take on it. And I don't agree with Forrest Whitaker's take on this character either because he's weird.
1: I just. I, <laughs> he, this is like that moment when you realize um, in Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Last Ark, you don't need Indiana Jones, that movie, to play out. Um, Forrest Whitaker did not serve a role in this movie.
0: His, <laughs> like, his role was to have like a really weird voice.
1: Your job was to play the USB. That's that's what you did. You showed the daughter a movie clip. Cool. <laughs> that was that's the whole reason you were there. Awesome. I I could not figure out why he was in the movie. I was like, this is the worst role ever for anybody. I feel so bad for you. hmm
0: Yeah, cool. that, hey, mm, that sequence just I just didn't like that the character that portrayal and like you said, yeah, it doesn't matter if If the Imperial Pilot would have just been like, "Hey, go or if Galen would have told the Imperial Pilot, Go to give this to the people on Yavin Four granted Galen probably didn't know where Yavin Four was, or that's where the rebels were, but he knew where Sagarera was for some reason. I don't know why,
1: <laughs> yep, like yeah, I don't know, don't know, yeah,
0: but after uh, you know, they decide that they want to do a test fire of the Death Star, and so the reason why it's destructive is, I guess, it uses all the reactors, and it only uses one reactor here at a, the whole time. This this whole movie, it only ever uses it to the minimal power. Um, so they test fire on Jeddah. That 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 was really cool. I gotta say, like from. Krennic's point of view when he said it's beautiful, I had to agree. I mean, I I know what just happened, but man, it just there's some there's some sort of weird beauty in that destructive power, and also looking at it with them escaping out of the the wreck the wreckage before they get you know caught up in it. That was just a really well done scene and good use of CG. Alex, what did you think of that?
2: Yeah, that was. That was one of the visuals that I was really happy. See, and I say that you know it was just mass genocide right there. But um, that was awesome. I like how you know, they kind of went through the same process they did to you know shoot uh, the Death Star, and it was just it was really nostalgic just watching it happen again. But the effects down on the planet, seeing the planet implode like that. That was like the best. <laughs> that that was probably like one of the most memorable scenes there, and I think the the first one was even more memorable than the second one, and just watching the plane or watching the uh, the ship fly through when basically the planet is like a wave coming down on top of them
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, was. I, I think that's going to be one of the iconic scenes of that movie.
1: Mel, how about you? The, making Earth form a tidal wave. Really, like, I felt like it properly showed what, when they originally were making the Death Star, what its power could have been. And like you said, for it to only be firing off one, what was the word you used? Reactor. Reactor, one, and you send a tidal wave of stone. Like, that was just incredible, and it really, it really puts in retrospect what we saw the Death Star do in 4. Is that when it blows up the planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That was probably the
2: first time they used its full power, too, right, on Alderaan? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. The full power... uh, What do you want to say? A full demonstration of this battle station's power, something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, after they get off there and they all go and they meet up with Mon Mothma and friends in the Super Friends Hangout chambers on Masasi... Or, no, on Yavin 4 in the Masasi temples. It was cool seeing those. It was you've never really got a chance to really see them like that when it pans out and around the the base on Yavin 4. But one touch that I liked was the guy that's up there in the antenna tower thing. He's in this movie, too. He's, like, you know, looking up there with the little scanners as people go by. But then when people leave, he just, like, watches them, doesn't scan them. He's like, hey, oh, not my job. But it was just kind of cool seeing that again because I always think of in, in Family Guy when they have um, they did a, a New Hope uh, little spoof thing and they had one of the guys as he was doing following the tracer in with the ship. he's like pow pow <laughs> like he was like a like a, a toy gun shooting kind of thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we get to the rebel base. And we see Mon Mothma. We see Bail Organa, which his name was never said, I don't believe, in this movie. Was it? Did you guys catch Bail Organa's name ever being said? Mm-mm. No. So, and when he walks out, the the Star Wars and New Hope, or uh, the Twin Suns cue kicks in a little bit, right? That little theme. And so mm-hmm. you know he's important. And people in my theater were like, oh. And, I mean, a few of us obviously knew who he was, but there were some people like Jennifer. She's like, I... Had to explain who he was later on, but I didn't know who he was exactly. Right, and you saw episode three; that was like your yeah. favorite, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And he's—I don't the, even
0: remember him. He he saves Yoda in episode three, the little thing, and he's with Leia and the kids, or hmm. Padme when the that's, kids are born.
1: That's the same guy.
0: He takes Leia. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so for
2: that. the amount of screen time that Bail Organa has gotten in the in the theater, he's. Much more important than how he's portrayed on the screen, mm-hmm. and um, only true like really hardcore Star Wars fans are going to appreciate that he was the only person that made a cameo in our theater that did not get any kind of recognition or response from the audience. There was, hmm. I mean, a few oohs and ahs, but nobody clapped or anything like that. Um, I mean, of course, I knew who he was, and I was happy to see him. I, I like Jimmy Smits too. Um, and then he-, he he has a conversation later. I think it was with. On Mothma, maybe somebody else. Where he was like, you know, I, I would trust her with my life. We know who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I like things like that, you know, especially since he he doesn't need any CG or anything because the movie that he was in was only like, what a decade old or something.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it is about a decade at this point. <sighs> Can you believe that? I know, right? <laughs> so crazy. I I stood in line for that movie too. <laughs> yep. Um. So. This Rebel Alliance, let's talk about this Rebel Alliance for a minute. This doesn't look like much of an alliance to me at all. One dude's like, this is over. We're done. We're, let's run away. And then, We're doomed. Uh, yeah. And then other people are like, well, what do you want to do? Let's go fight. Like, just excuse the guy who wants to leave. Let him go because he's obviously not going to do much good for you anyway. And then the rest of you guys, you guys are the Rebel Alliance. Just go ahead and do it. But then she's like, oh, without the full council, we can't do anything. I'm like, forget that. It's just like two people. Get rid of them. And then everybody else would be on board.
2: Doesn't that kind of seem ironic considering they're all rebels? I know.
1: <laughs> they're rebelling against rebelling. It's, yeah. like, it's like a double yeah. rebellion.
2: But they yeah. want some kind of order within their rebellion.
1: Yeah,
0: as long as um, <laughs> not the 66th order, I think it would be okay.
1: We need to have order rebellion, folks.
0: <laughs> we so, need a majority rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why didn't they take a
2: vote? Why did it have to be a <laughs> unanimous decision? <laughs> Well, it's like, and if somebody like that is going to be okay, yeah, I want to fight the Empire, right? Oh, but they have this big weapon. Yeah, we're done.
0: Yeah, they're just like, oh, well, they got this big weapon. We just, we just roll over now. And then you got the Jin and her friends. that are going to go take off, and like, you can't take off. That's that's. We brought you the ship, dude. We're taking off in it. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I
2: mean, it, it was kind of cool to see that the the Rogue One team. Was rebelling against the re- like they they did it even though it was against the rebellion. It's like you know what I mean. Like they they took the initiative to do that. Mm-hmm. And if it hadn't been for those people making taking that chance, putting their lives out there at the time, we may never have gotten the plans mm-hmm. right. And 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 blown up. Maybe everything would have just been all empire for forever. But um, so I mean that was kind of a cool aspect to it. But I don't. It just didn't make much logical sense with what we know of the rebellion.
0: Mm-hmm. And so we skip forward a little bit? Because she goes with the team and finds her dad. Well, kind of. And, okay. So first off, the X-Wings come in. That's a really cool scene, seeing the X-Wings fly around in the rain and do their bombing run. But anybody knows from any Star Wars game that you've ever played... If there is an Imperial shuttle on the landing bay, you're taking that thing out too. They just, they, they attack the landing bay, but they leave the shuttle there. And so they take off in that shuttle again. Come on! These are the worst
1: Rebels ever. <laughs> well, they're young Rebels. So, like, they're learning the process of rebelling. And you learn that through multiple attacks.
0: Well, wouldn't at that, simple, Wouldn't that make sense? The simple thing is... a like
1: rookie mistake. Almost as much sense
2: as needing a majority rule. <laughs> For but, the quadruple rebellion.
0: And it was just one bomb that was dropped down there, and they said that they destroyed the base by that one bomb. They didn't destroy the base. Krennic destroyed the base when he killed the, all the engineers. They were just again, that's the whole return of or the Raiders of Lost Ark thing. It doesn't even matter if the rebels were there. The same thing would have happened. Yep. Oh goodness. <sighs> so I just I can't believe that they, they didn't destroy the shuttle. <laughs> Why wouldn't you blow it up? <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, that's one glaring issue in this movie that, that I feel is.
1: I have one that I wanted to actually ask you about, but I was really excited, like, to get to do this with you guys because you guys are way bigger uh, Star Wars fans than I am. Um, so, from what I remember of uh, Hope, uh, episode four, there's, there's an issue in there where, like, they all get together to meet about what their plans are going to be. Were any of the people in that meeting? In the one we just watched? Uh, there like, were a couple. Yeah. Because that's where my, my confusion was. I was like, where's the Akbar guy?
0: So, yeah, that was interesting, right? Akbar wasn't in this movie, but it makes sense because the ship that did have Mon Cal technology on there, and I think they're Mon Calamari people, um, mm-hmm. uh, that big capital ship that the Admiral was uh, taking command of at the end, that was disabled, though, when Vader showed up. So mm-hmm. that... You wouldn't have had Tarkin or uh, uh, Akbar on that ship because he would have been killed by the Empire or captured.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes makes sense sense
0: for that part of you. And it wasn't the entire fleet. Um, And maybe after that dude got captured, maybe that's the reason why Akbar is now (laughs) an (laughs) admiral. You know? That's what I was thinking they were going to do with Tarkin in this episode with
2: with Krennic. I thought he was going to be maybe up there like i mean they did kind of show a little bit of rivalry between between the two but Mm -hmm. i mean tarkin was definitely in charge um in control i i I thought it was going to be something like tarkin would undermine krennic in some way or you know contribute to his death so he could secede um that could have showed a little bit more of his uh cynicism i guess tarkin so we get a little more in-depth with you know how evil that character really is because he really is awful, and it's not portrayed on the screen how awful he is. Because, again, he doesn't get much screen time in, in episode four or here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really get that animosity between the two of them fleshed out in that uh, Catalyst book as well. They're always kind of doing like a tit-for-tat type thing where Tarkin has the emperor in his pocket, and then Krennic's just always trying to get that little bit extra. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And also in Rebels, Tarkin shows up in there a couple of times, and you can kind of see what kind of person he is, too. So, oh, there's a book, too, by the way, called Tarkin, if you want to find out more about him. <laughs> um, so when Galen is killed, right, because uh, the Rebels dropped their bombs. He was going to get sniped by the other guy. The Rebels were going to kill this guy one way or another. Um, I don't understand why... They couldn't have gotten a message to those X-Wings and be like, hey, don't bomb it before they drop those bombs. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, they said, get a message to them. Well, they're already engaged. Does that—I don't understand why they couldn't still send a message. Well, again,
1: it's young rebel issues. So they were on a really inferior uh, cell phone carrier plan. They were using, (laughs) Metro PCS. They're using MetroPCS <laughs> and they're like, hey, it's after nine, so our rates double. We just, we can't get this out right now, okay? You gotta wait till tomorrow. And that was the issue. They like, were in in just dialogue, you know, not, not proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Funding for Young Rebellions takes time, okay? So we gotta just, there's certain mistakes we're gonna make. You just gotta be ready for that. <laughs> I would have almost preferred a mistake, right? Like, I would have almost,
2: it would have made more sense that they, got the communication to them and because they were so close maybe some of the turrets started to engage them and then somebody misfired that would have made more sense an yeah, crashes. and that would on have the spoke to the
0: inexperience of the pilots mm-hmm. make an x-wing crash on the platform and that's what kills them and then the because this movie is oh doing my gosh an, yes is doing an excellent job at making me not like the rebels and I, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and I don't... They're they're coming across as just as bad at some things as the Empire. They're not as oppressive, but the one general dude that's like, hey, tell us what we want to know, girl, or we're going to put you back out where we found you. That's an Imperial type of tactic, right, for them to do mm-hmm. that. I always yep. envision the Rebels as being... You know, the open, the caring, Mon Mothma, definitely, Bela Organa, those people. But these other people are just terrible. Maybe, maybe they just can't take that chance with somebody like Jin, just because
2: of who her father is. It's a little risky because maybe they've had people double-cross him before. You know, Imperial spies. Yeah,
0: and I think that. But she wasn't a spy. They caught her and brought her to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's... It's one thing if she infiltrates the rebellion, but they go get her, and she's like, yeah. she would have been fine by herself, you know. You, she would have gotten out of her bind. She always has, I guess. Um, but it, it just these these rebels, except for Amon Mothma, Baylor Organa, and the X-wing pilot, uh, the general guy, he ends up dying anyway. I I just don't feel much respect for them. It's they're too haphazard. And it looks like they finally get their stuff together by episode five, because in episode four, they're just kind of like, oh, we're about to be destroyed. Uh, what do we do? They're still I mean, thing. they're scared. Yeah. I mean, they're still you in know? that mindset of, oh, they got this big weapon. What do we do? Ben, Luke's like, let's go.
2: <laughs> well, they're scared, right? And then they get a little hope at the end of this one. Then, then Luke shows up, and he, he is a new hope a newer hope than (laughs) the hope that they got in this movie. Right. And then the added, the added confidence that they get when they actually take out the death star in episode four, maybe that's when they get all their crap together for episode five. Maybe that's why they're like that. Yeah. Or maybe it's the help of like Luke and his friends that
1: they need. See, I wish like you were saying, like, I wish they would have shown that immaturity of being a young rebellion of going against it. But I feel like, What you saw in the the people who did fight, that's what made this movie like. That's when I was like, okay, I like what I'm seeing. Was when we were storming the beach, when they were fighting, when they're like, we have one job to save everyone. And that was when I was like, wait, we're not coming home. What's going on here? Because, like, these are the characters I liked. I hated everybody else they left at the base. Like, you all suck. Like, every single one of you. Mm -hmm. But. That was like – I feel like what, what you're talking about, I wish they could have shown that inexperience for the rebellion and why these were the rebels we needed to start this fight because it took people who literally said, okay, you're telling me there's a 99% chance we're going to fail. Let's go be that 1%, folks, and do everything we have to to be it, and that was awesome. Like That's when I was like – that's when I was no longer reclining in my seat. That's when I was at the edge of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so let's move past these terrible rebels and get to where we actually do like them, and that's when they engage Scarif. So Jin and her team, they decide that they're going to go ahead and infiltrate Scarif, right? They're going to go get those Death Star plans, because the Rebellion's not going to do it. Someone has to. They're just going to go do it. And then we get word that the Rebellion is actually going to come with part of the fleet. One of the generals that I... Well, the Admiral, the Mon Calamari Admiral. He sends out the message that he's going to go join them. And then everybody else gets the message. And then they all join him. So this is where the Rebellion starts to look actually like it should in my mind. This is the Rebellion that it should have been all along. Everybody fighting against the Empire. You get this great space battle that takes place um, against this great land battle that's taking place. And I got to say, the, the distractions that they have with the limited amount of people that they had on that ship, they were able to get all the way around that base and, you know, plant those explosives and really exercise guerrilla warfare and really distract and make them not know where to look. And then the, the, the two guys in, in the ship, you know, saying, oh, they're on this pad, they're on this pad. You know, really misdirecting the Empire's efforts all along the way. What did you guys think of this Scarif battle, Alex?
2: Well, it was the best part of the movie, I think, it, it, for, for me. Um, I mean, outside of the, the – the planet was visually stunning. The, the place that they chose to, to do it was stunning, right? And then I – you know, when, when they were going around planning the explosives and then you see Krennic up in the in the in in that structure and he's looking down he's seeing all these explosions happen like all over the surface, that's when I'm like, okay, it's on. And, and, and that's exactly what they were doing. You know, what did he say? Make 10 men feel like a hundred. And you know, again, we, you've been hating on the rebels a little bit. I'm not trying to defend them. Right. But you know, because I, there, there were some def, definitely some plot holes here um, and inconsistencies, but I think it speaks to more about how important the rogue one team actually was that we didn't know about. Right. Because they went off, and they did this mission on our own on their own. Right. Because, the whole rebel team is scared once they realize that the empire has this huge weapon. So they go and they do it anyway. And that gives the rebels the fire that they need. And without thinking, they just do what they do best. They all show up and they show up at the right time. And it's just, that's, that's the only way that it was going to happen. It, in my mind, I loved it. The And it's more a down to earth approach without, jedi without the force users anything like that it's really just a war and i love that it captured that in the third act here and just the visuals like i said were stunning so this was by far my favorite scenes of of the movie
1: no i'm i'm 100 with alex um i love just the the scope and sequence of everything that went down. I love sneaking in. I like how the plan just kind of came together, how it was, all right, first, let's worry about getting in. Then we'll figure something else out. Like, there was no lengthy debate on what we were doing. It was, hey, we're, we got to clear of the first obstacle, then let's go for the second. And if we get that far, we'll go for the third. And that was, like, one of those moments when Jim was giving that speech, of we will find a way that I was like okay yeah I'm behind you like I didn't like her for most of the movie until that like that was when I was like okay I see you and then I was like yes you are the character we needed because I'm getting hope from just hearing you speak and watching what you guys are doing Um, probably my favorite sequence was them actually getting the hard drive like I love that she gave uh, what was the robot's number K2? K- K2. K2. They gave him a gun. And he's just like, you continue to surprise me or whatever he said. And then he's making no-look shots and killing guys that are coming in and basically saves the day so they have a chance to get out of there. Um, and that was like – that was probably the second most emotional scene in the movie for me mm-hmm. was him sacrificing himself for these two. Even though for most of the movie, he's like, I'm going to leave you behind. Like, me and Cass, we're gonna get in the ship and leave. Y'all are gonna die.
0: I loved K two. He was great.
1: Oh, he was so funny. <laughs> so, so let's this this
0: battle as it continues on. You know, ATATs come in. They're not really ATATs yet. They're they're precursor to them. Uh, I like that one shot of the the U wing flying around and and them shooting at the the legs of the ATAT until it like broke. Uh, I thought that was really cool. So. One thing as an aside, there was a lot of stuff that happened in trailers that didn't actually happen in the movie, which kind of is sad in a way because there was that really uh, poignant AT-AT shot in one of those trailers of Jen running out with the hard drive uh, that didn't take place at all. But So there's a lot of deleted scenes or alternate takes that I'd really want to see uh, why they went in this direction because there's a lot of stuff that was in the trailers that wasn't actually in this movie. So I just wanted to make that point too. So, K two is our first casualty. He is the, uh, you know, the droid that he's given them every opportunity he can to get them going in there, and he's holding the door, and he finally gets overrun with stormtroopers. They come out and they take, uh, they take him out finally. Um, second casualty is Donnie Yen's character, I believe, and you know he does. He has this nice little scene where. Um, It's evident that the Force is protecting him in some way. He walks over to flip the main switch. You know, he is one with the Force. The Force is with me uh, situation. And he gets that flip switched. Switch flipped. There we go. And then then he dies. And his buddy... uh, What was his name? Baze? Bazi? Yeah, yeah, something like that. There was a B in there. Yeah. He... You know, sees this happen and then runs out there, which is kind of weird. When he runs out there, all of a sudden nobody's shooting. (laughs) I I don't know why that is, you know. Because the guy love. Yeah, but nobody's shooting anymore because typically there'd still be blaster bolts flying around. Anyway, looking aside from that, he (laughs) has this nice little scene where he's, you know, going to go try to exact some revenge on some of these guys and takes a few down, but eventually dies by explosions almost everybody dies by explosions in this movie you see that like Galen dies by an explosion uh Donnie dies by an explosion uh Donnie Yen's character Basie dies by an explosion Forrest Whitaker Whitaker dies by an explosion in a way right (laughs) I think everybody and Bodie Bodie dies by an explosion he's the next guy to go uh they throw a thermal detonator in the ship and he's gone
2: well, see, the Empire has this thing called the Death Star that blows everything up. Oh yeah, so is was just doing so... explosions? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah, so that's
1: how they base most of the things. Like, you know what? <laughs> if we blow things up, they'll die. Uh huh. So, so simple math. Yeah, and then after that,
0: we get uh, Cassian and Jin climbing up to the top. Uh, Krennic opens up the the door halfway up and shoots. Cassian down. I didn't think he was dead because it wasn't that far of a fall. I just figured he was probably, like, knocked out a bit because she looked down and it was maybe maybe 15 feet and he had a couple things that broke his fall on the way down, so as long as he didn't snap his neck, he'd have been a fine.
1: And what I loved about that was that she didn't do the, no! She was like, well, I gotta go. Well, she had her job. She was committed. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> that was that was awesome for me. So, and did and anybody there was no else? kiss. Yeah. Love that
0: there was no kiss. <laughs> uh-huh. By the way. Me too. It wouldn't have made sense. Um, yeah. Did anybody else cringe when she had to go through that little thing that kept opening and closing? Think that I, she was gonna lose her leg or something there. Yep,
1: I was like, "You're <laughs> this is this is not this is not how
0: we want this to go." It's just it was that thing where everyone was like, "Ah!" And then we get to the top. She puts in the data tape, and then has to correct the dish for some reason. So she goes and corrects the dish. <laughs> Tie Fighter shows up and makes oh, it difficult satellites. for her to get back. I'm sorry, there was too much uh, <laughs> interference from the snow, I guess. I
1: don't know why the control panel was 300 meters away either. That was awkward. Uh-huh. I may be exaggerating <laughs> that, but why is the control pattern for the thing you're trying to adjust on a small island? So you can visually
0: see it and look at it and be like, okay, we want to we want to adjust this this way a little bit more.
1: You can't look up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so she goes back to actually press the button to send the message out um, and she tells Krennic that she already did it because he shows up and is like who are you you know who I am it just doesn't make sense that he didn't just shoot her in, in the face right right then <laughs> it would have been over but he like every villain just like what he's his own undoing and she sends the Death, the Death Star plans up they're intercepted uh, they get him downloaded onto the ship then the ship comes under attack, and then they get those data tapes on a, another little guy, and get them onto another ship. But I'm—I'm—the best part of this movie, like the standout scene, the scene that I could watch over and over and over again. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, there was a scene earlier that I forgot to mention that I absolutely loved because it was on a lava planet. We aren't really sure if it's Mustafar or somewhere else. But it was Vader's castle. So in the in the lore before this movie, or before the Disney acquisition came out, there was Vader's castle on a lava planet somewhere that he would go to and heal himself in the back Bacta tank to try to heal himself back so he didn't have to be in the suit as much. And that was amazing because that was what happened in this movie. Ah, oh, I loved it. And then we get our first glimpse of Vader in the suit. when oh, that. Oh, I love it when that, Door opens up, and you see that huge, looming shadow of Vader and puny little Krennic right there, you know, next to it. Uh, it was just the first things that Vader says to him. is like, you seem unnerved. Can you imagine why? <laughs> you're on a <laughs> lava planet talking to a dude that's, like, eight feet tall, and just he could kill you with his mind. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be unnerved.
1: I like it when he chokes him that made me laugh pretty hard mm-hmm. <laughs> choking
0: on his aspirations yep. <laughs> so i love that scene uh alex what did you think of that scene
2: well that just gave me chills right and we saw a little bit of it in the trailer when he was walking up to him um i wish they wouldn't have shown that in the trailer because it would have made it would have been more impactful and other, other than that, I mean, that was just a brilliant scene, and I think it was the perfect way to introduce Vader's character into that story. And We haven't seen him really in this element um, since, you know, what, Return of the Jedi?
0: hmm
2: I mean, episode three, barely, but um, yeah, it, it, that's, that, they used Vader the right way in this movie. He's huge. He's menacing. He's ruthless. That's what he is.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, they did a good job capturing that.
0: But then we see Vader in action. Oh. Oh, man. This was what I imagine people thought of when they saw Vader in 1977 storm the ship and just be like this big imposing figure. But amped up in 2016 style, right? Like you hear him step on there. You hear him breathe. And then the lightsaber ignition, just red. And that, that scene is just immense. Um, Mo, what'd you think?
1: I only had one small, like, teeny little thing that was wrong. Like, I loved everything about it. Except for Darth Vader can't go, oh, hey, that's the disc I need. Five five guys deep when he just took out, like, 15 and just snapped that thing into his hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that was the only thing. Because that guy's sitting there struggling at the door, like, wop, 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 trying to, like, get himself out of there. And he's like, finally, take this when he's two guys away from getting killed. And I'm just like, conveyor, or not, just, you know, hey, I, that, that's what I need. Can I, can I have that real quick? Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then end the story.
0: Yeah, that was kind of went through my mind as
1: well. But at the same mm-hmm. time, did he really know that that's where that was? See, that was the argument that a friend of mine made after the movie. He was like, remember, Vader was, like, filled with anger. And when he's going nuts, he's not thinking, he's fighting. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, if he's not, like, feeling the Force and he has that, like, dark side in him where he's just going ballistic and just savagely just wrecking shop, then, yeah, he he might not notice that this, this the thing he's looking for is right in front of him.
0: Mm-hmm. So, but, oh man, when they did that scene and it was
1: just, oh, I loved it. I love um, when he's standing out there watching the other ship pull out, mm-hmm. like in space. Like he's not, he's not like even fear of being sucked out. He just stands there going, well, I'm going to have to go get that. Yeah. Like that to me was like just epic because it shows you like the complete, awesome fear that people should have of this guy and it really makes him that villain because even when he's standing in space with nothing in front of him he's like still charging like you Mm -hmm. never felt like he was in retreat mode and that was really cool to see yeah i i could watch that scene over and over again just because
0: it's it in the cinema people with the prequels often say that vader is like a pansy now because of anakin's portrayal and everything but if nothing else this movie definitely solidified that he is one bad mother trucker right
1: um yeah see i never got that feeling from anakin in the beginning like because he had that rage in him you know what i mean where he would lose it and so but i feel like that was like the embodiment of that when he was in the suit you know what I mean? Like, you you could just feel it. I was really hoping when that vat opened, we were going to see, uh, who was the actor who played Anakin? Hayden Christensen. I would have loved to have had some kind of morphed version of his face in there. Like, really tying this all together instead of just a shadow in the vat container. But, no. I, I loved I loved how menacing they made him. Like I think that was the perfect word. Mm-hmm.
0: Alex, what do you, what do you think of Vader in this movie in general? That that opening scene that we saw him in again, and and this this last scene that we see him in.
2: I mean, like I said, I think they portrayed him in the way that he needed to be portrayed because it it, it didn't. I, I wouldn't have called him like a pansy, but I didn't think of him as too menacing. I I don't know if it was just the you know. The way that it was that that it looked in seventies and eighties, but this was—I mean, if I if I was one of those pilots on that ship, and all I see is dark, and then this huge dude ignites this red lightsaber, I'm I'm running, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm scared. I mean that that was terrifying, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. It was the best. And even though you know what's gonna happen, I was still like, oh god, these poor. These poor people, like, and then he just, some of it was ridiculous. When he started using the fourth, he threw the guy up to the ceiling, you know, he, up in the air, he's choking him, he, and the, the lightsaber through the chest right through the door. It he, wasn't a, it wasn't a fight. It was a, it was a massacre.
0: Fish in a barrel.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it was, that's, that's, someone that does that is full of rage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's what Vader is.
0: And I don't know if you guys caught, but, I mean, in that scene, I want to watch it, like, in slow down because I want to see everything that he does. I picked up that he obviously uses saber to deflect blaster bolts, but he also just throws them back with the Force as well. He doesn't even use the, his lightsaber for all those deflections. He threw a few back with the Force. And he obviously uses Force push. He uses choke. He holds a guy up behind him, and he just cavalierly swa- swipes behind him. And, you know, good. he's just wrecking shop Mm -hmm. and it's just no wonder the galaxy is terrified of this man you know what i mean yeah
2: (sighs) yeah especially with all the the jedi essentially extinct at this point for all everybody knows he's pretty much the only person that can do this now
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and that's what makes it so terrifying
0: and when you look at what he does now and then Essentially what he does you know, in maybe a month's time or so as the events of A New Hope goes on to when he fights Obi-Wan at the end. You can definitely tell that when he's fighting Obi-Wan, at he's just toying with him, right? Yeah. He's just savoring the moment because you just saw what he did here. And now he's just going to savor this old man, his old mentor, this moment to finally wipe out the Jedi, finally get this done and take his revenge on Obi-Wan for his warped, twisted reasons. And he was just toying with him.
1: Mo, what'd you think? That makes me want to watch four, like right now. You should. I so like I said, I didn't even notice like in in that, like in that fight. Like when you put those together, you're like, oh man, that's right. Like (laughs) he would have been so much stronger.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Obi-Wan, this whole time, he's just been you know chilling out. In, in exile kind of watching over Luke and in, in tattooing but we know I mean I love the lines that Mon Mothma and Bale have between talking about Obi-Wan then talking about Princess Leia and we get that little cameo of R2-D2 and C-3PO did
1: that do anything for you guys um I I didn't understand what they were referencing like they made a joke and a lot of people around me laughed but I didn't get the joke do you guys know what they were talking about?
0: I think R2 or C3PO just says nobody ever tells us anything. Okay,
1: is that just a running theme that happens in those movies?
0: Yeah, Again, kinda. I've
1: watched 4, 5, and 6, the least amount of all of them. So I'm just pointing that out there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a theme, I guess, as far as okay. 3PO is concerned.
1: Yeah, he,
2: he complains Thanks. about it. But, I mean, I think it was more just the nostalgia of seeing them people were just happy to see him maybe mm-hmm. i don't know yeah he could have said anything and everybody would have just laughed and clapped right like
1: okay yeah i was just checking because i was like that was one of those moments where i was like eh, what
0: yeah i mean i smiled yeah. that they were on the screen and yeah. i was i was kind of nice that they're in there because that keeps the streak alive of the one person who's been in every star wars movie um well, isn't a person? It's a droid. It's three PO and it's R two D two. They're the ones that've been in every Star Wars movie to date so far.
2: I wonder if that's in like his contract or something. <laughs> you know, like I'll be, I'll, I'll come back as three PO, but I have to be in every Star Wars movie in some capacity.
0: Maybe, maybe that's the, what they gotta do. But w- would you rather have had them there on on Yavin four? It makes sense that they're there, I guess, because. They then have the conversation later on about you know being part of the rebellion and seeing many battles. So I guess that makes sense that they would be there. But you know, I've talked to some people and they were like they would have rather them, if they were going to be in the movie, be on the Tantive Four, uh, like when they give Leia the data plans.
2: yeah, and they they didn't need any lines. I would have preferred them there as well. Maybe just in the background when you see Leia. Just as kind of like an Easter egg type thing, but not really a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred that. It looked a little, it looked a little out of. I mean, yes, they probably could have been on Yavin Four, but the line and the the scene that they're in, it was forced in for nostalgia.
0: Hmm. So, as far as because uh, we're kind of winding down as the events of the episode go, you know they. They take the Star Destroyer or the Star Destroyer, the Death Star to Scarif, and they decide that they're going to go ahead and blow up that Imperial base because Tarkin wants to. I I don't really understand why he's going to blow up the base because there's just a a handful of rebels down there that are probably all dead by that point. (laughs) And he's just blowing up all of their data and wiping out any trace of any transmissions, except they know that it was sent up. It just, it, that seems irresponsible to blow up all the data,
1: you know? It's like, um, hey, there were two rats in your house. They're both dead now. I'm going to blow the house up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Feels right.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. But maybe, you know, once you push that button on a Death Star, I mean, you probably want to push it again. <laughs> you know, you're just like, ah, I'm itching to blow something up. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's blow this up now. Well, he knew
2: Krennic was down there, too. So that might have played a factor in.
1: Yeah. He was like, do I really want to deal with you? No. Exactly.
2: He He could have used used anything for justification.
0: That's when you just be like, hey, TIE fighter pilot, um, strafe that thing and kill anything that moves. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) know? Even (laughs) if it's ours. I just want it all dead. We don't know if there's an imposter up there. There's there's an imposter and a white kluk up there, so go ahead and take him out. (laughs) Um, so obviously that, that blast wipes out our heroes completely. Everybody's for sure dead at that point. And the movie's about over. I mean, we, we get that uh, Vader scene so good. We get the, the Leia cameo and then the, the movie closes and everybody clapped in my theater. I don't know about you guys. Did everybody clap at the end of the movie? Yep. Uh, first showing. Second showing is more reserved. Much more. They said, hmm, um, I give this a solid okay,
1: no clap, you yep. know.
0: Yep, little Ned Shaleem to talk. They uh, they put on their, their pipes as they walked out the cinema.
1: Actually, there was a dude smoking a pipe outside of the cinema when I left the 1015 show.
0: <laughs> See, told you.
1: <laughs> I remembered it because I love the smell. Like, it was one of those, like, God, I wish I smoked, but I don't. But I love that smell. I just need to make friends with the pipe smoker. I think what it is. <laughs> those things smell awesome. But yeah, no, that's that's kind of how it was. It was super reserved. Uh, the co people left. Like I saw a lot of people wait uh, at the first one just in case there was a hidden scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I there were people just leaving at the end of this one. Like I was like, you're not even gonna you're not gonna find out. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, um, and both showings people waited towards the end. Not everybody, but people did. And I think Marvel has just pretty much trained us to wait to the end. You don't know what's going to be there, <laughs> you know. Yep. And this was a a non traditional Star Wars movie, so you didn't know there could be like blue milk at the end. Who knows? Did you catch the blue milk earlier on in the show though, in the movie? I I didn't.
2: No, I didn't either.
0: It was in the flashback sequence at the very begin, at the very beginning when uh, Jin's parents were getting her ready to go, you know, run away. There was a little bit of blue milk there on the on the table. (laughs) Um, And then there was uh, you guys familiar with the Star Wars Rebels show? I am not. I've seen a little bit, but probably not. So there was in Yavin base, there was someone being paged over the system. And it was General Sindula. I'm sorry. General Sindula. Yeah which I'm assuming is in reference to Hera Syndulla, the captain of the ghost in in Rebels. As well, there was a ghost cameo, at least a ship that is the same as the ghost, in the battle sequence in Scarif. So those are a couple of the ones that I caught. And then obviously in uh, Jedi, the the two guys that give Luca trouble in yes. <laughs> in episode four, one guy gets his hand cut off by Obi-Wan. Yes. They showed up and gave, uh, was it Jin a little trouble? Yeah, hilarious. Um, and those guys must have, like, left, right, as soon as that happened, right? Because <laughs> uh, they couldn't have been around much longer for there. And, by the way, speaking of timelines, this takes place, like, near days before the events that we catch up on Tatooine on later on. So people who were like, oh, I want want to see the Falcon and things like that, that would not have been really possible. Han would have been either on Tatooine at that point or doing something for Jabba. Unless it was a scene of him dropping the spice in front of a Star Destroyer and running, that would have been amazing. (laughs) Um, But that was uh, just... Or some little thing about hey, this Star Destroyer was just you know, trying to out, uh, outrun some dude, but he dropped Spice and we picked it up and it's in the cargo bay. You know, something like that would have been kind of funny, like a little offhand comment or remark by one of the troopers. But, gentlemen, I believe we have drawn close to the end. so, Alex, what are your final thoughts on Rogue One? And do you intend to see it again? I think you already said that you're going to...
2: Yes I, I had already planned on seeing it again because my wife didn't go with me to the initial showing so we're gonna go this weekend. But after seeing it the first time, I I have the urge to see it again. It's not like I'm going just to see it with her again. I, I actually do want to see it again. I want anytime I see a Star Wars movie for the first time, I'm just I'm basically in my seat just like in awe that I'm in the theater watching uh, Star Wars content that I have not seen. Uh, but the second time is really where I like to focus in on the movie and and you know catch things that I didn't see the first time and really start putting putting more of the pieces together I think they did a really good job uh, integrating this movie into the canon timeline really well um, lots of callbacks lots of nostalgia um, I also I also want to make a comment earlier you're making fun of some of the technology that they were using but I thought it was they did a good job in keeping with a new hope and what we saw back in the seventies and eighties, not to get too far ahead, even though it's possible now when they're shooting the movie, I thought they did a good job of keeping the, the technology that was used. Let's how, how should I say clunky, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, I thought they did a good job of that. It was, it was more believable that way. Um, but I think this was a perfect intro to their, anthology series Um, and I just for the expectations I had it met them probably exceeded them a little bit
1: Mo I'm sure like if I watched more of the Star Wars movies more often and I had that diehard fandom this would be higher for me but for me it was a good movie but all of these other ones to me were still better because it gave me that whole package. And with this one, that that intro really did kill it for me. Like it really dropped it down because I was like, this this is boring. I don't know why Force Whitakers even in the movie. I don't know why you're showing me these seven different places or ten different places, whatever it was. Um I love once the battle started, that was when it became great for me. Like that's when I was like, Yes this is what I want. These are the fights that I've been waiting for. Like this felt like the battlefront movie that I've always, that I want with action, 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 but it just took a long time to get us there. So I still feel comfortable putting it towards the bottom of my star Wars favorite films, but it's still one that I I will probably go see again just because my wife wants to go again. Um, her, her best friend wants to go see it. And she's like, will you go with us? And I was like, yeah, I I love movie theater popcorn. So I'm down, (laughs) but, um, probably not one I'm going to rush to buy like I did with The Force Awakens so
0: fair enough and for me um, I got what I wanted out of this movie quite honestly I I enjoyed it thoroughly I thought it was a a good well done movie that is worthy of the anthology of Star Wars and is great to add to the saga and to the collection Um, it's If you look on social media right now, it's being hailed as, among my friends and my people on Twitter, as the best Star Wars or, you know, so good or Rivals Empire. To me, that's not 100% the case. Uh, This is not my favorite Star Wars film. Um, I still think that that has... eh, I I still think my favorite Star Wars film is Return of the Jedi, followed closely behind by The Force Awakens. And then I'll have I'd have to really understand, kind of reorder them, rewatch them with this new perspective to know where I want to rate things after that. But this would be in my top half, I would think, of the Star Wars films. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It it was nice not to have any reliance on having a Jedi in the story, right? You had Vader, but that's about it, and he doesn't really count. But you had a story about I'd say the. Say that to him. <laughs> well, he's not a Jedi. When you say Jedi, it's not you don't think Vader. Um, but when when you have a story about the rebellion being, you know, kind of coming to its formation, this is what does it. Yeah, I have my problems with the rebellion. They had some stupid bonehead decisions. The leaders are kind of lackluster for half the group, and it's the last time we're gonna see Bail. I guarantee we're not gonna have another movie with Bail Organa in it. And it's kind of sad because I've always liked his character. Uh, so this is kind of a farewell for him. It was a good scene for him to go out on, smiling. Um, and really, uh, you know, he was going home to tell his people that there would be no peace. He was going to go, you know, make contact with Obi-Wan. He was going to send his daughter on a mission. And, you know, he smiled and so said that he would trust her with his life. And I just really liked that. He wasn't on the screen for very long, but man, I love Bail Organa's character. He, he's he's so good, and now it it pains me even more to know that he's gonna die along with all of his people uh, on Alderaan when it blows up in Episode Four. And it's this movie amps up Episode Four because it just leads right into it. It's it's a perfect lead-in like I said I watched episode 4 after watching uh, Rogue One last night when I got home and the opening crawl that's this movie and it's it's perfect and it sets up those scenes uh, really well introduces you to Tarkin if you weren't already and you can when you have those scenes on the Death Star now you there's a lot more weight behind them and a lot more understanding of, oh, those are the Death Star plans in R2, and C-3PO are taking around there. They need to get that to the Rebellion. They need to get to to Obi-Wan. They need to finish this mission that everybody just sacrificed themselves for. And it adds a lot of weight to it, and it's a great entry into the Star Wars saga, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Although, I have my problems with it, with the pacing, that 20 minutes at the beginning, and I also, as much as I like Michael Giacchino's music, I really missed John Williams in this movie. I really did. It it felt a little different. I mean, you could definitely tell when John Williams' music was infused into the score, like the Imperial March a few times. Um, when you saw some key characters appear on the screen, sometimes it would go into some of the older themes. And those stood out for me. I paid attention when those were there. But aside from that, there was nothing in this movie that was worthy of humming you know it was the imperial march you always you always have that you always have the star wars theme but there was nothing even even in the force awakens it had music that you could walk out humming that was specific to that movie like you know when kylo rin's on screen but here you don't know when tarkin's on screen you don't know when krennic's on screen it's just it's kind of generic in a way and that's kind of sad but again it's not a bad soundtrack or score it's just not at the level of williams but I don't know. What did you guys think of the music in this movie?
1: I never noticed it. Like I, I think that tells you how uh, I really didn't notice. So
0: so it was good for you. I mean, it didn't yeah. stand out, or you didn't miss mm-hmm. anything or get anything from it. So no, that's good. Just... Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, there were there were some moments that the music I noticed it. Uh, it, it was good, but like you said, I don't know. It, it was a little generic. A lot of it was recycled, um, which, you know, I, I, I want to hear the same music, obviously, but yeah, there wasn't anything definitive. I'm not going to think of any particular song and think of Rogue One when I, I, you know, hear the soundtrack or anything like that. It almost felt like some of these, uh, when we were playing through some of the nostalgic themes, um, they were almost quickened, the pace of them and one of the things that i liked about john williams's scores were that it's like this long orchestral they're drawn out they just they just it seems like they could go on forever or you can listen to them forever and it, it was missing from this movie so i would agree with you there
0: mm-hmm. all right well ladies and gentlemen what did you think of rogue one a star wars story We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can send us emails to connect at net, or shoot us a tweet over on Twitter at entertainingpod over there. Before we conclude this week, gentlemen, uh, we kind of skipped over it at the beginning, but I really wanted to get into the discussion on Rogue One. What have you been entertained by lately? Anything? Uh, how about you, Mo?
1: Uh, lots of video games. I spent the whole day like achievement hunting, just being a giant goofball that I am. Uh, but I will I will say that Star Wars Battlefront new DLC is phenomenal. Um, I, I was only planning to play one mission, and an hour and a half, two hours goes by, and I was like, oh wait, um, I have other things I'm supposed to be doing. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. And then most of all, just doing some reviews um, for PSVG. Uh, the one that I'm probably the most proud of right now is the doors. Uh, it got a lot of looks and. Just a really fun game. So I want to say thank you so much to, to you, Nate, because you're the one who gave me the opportunity to work on it. And it's been a huge, huge blessing. Very, very glad I got to play that game and that story.
0: Awesome. Glad you enjoyed it. Ah, Mr. DeWahey, what have you been entertained by lately?
2: Well, geez, you know all the video games that I play, right? And, <laughs> uh, no, I'm in all honesty, nothing too much. We're... Uh, Getting ready for Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, so we're rewatching uh, other Resident Evil movies, um, and Super Mario Run came out yesterday. So, as far as video games go, that's that's been something for me.
0: Uh-huh. It's
2: interesting. It's different. I don't know if you guys played it yet.
0: I um, downloaded it just like and played that first little bit. I didn't pay the ten bucks for it, but eh, I, yeah. I'm done with it. A
2: little disappointing. You can only play three three levels, and then you have to pay ten dollars for it and so a little bit of a premium on that but um anyway that's uh that's that's pretty much it i'm you know now that mo mentioned it, i'm probably gonna go have to check out this battlefront dlc just because my my star wars fandom is like through the roof right now
1: yeah it's really really good we also need to play destiny because i i saw your uh or last time me and Nate talked you were brought up about your destiny counter and uh it's pretty high so I'm looking for people to play with. Okay.
2: It's it's more my Destiny now than Destiny. <laughs> oh,
1: dang it. Why why did I come so late to this party? <laughs> oh,
0: don't worry, Mo. You need to hop on Destiny, too. I'm sure Alex will be there for that. All right. <laughs> uh, and for me, I have, like I said, in, I was listening to the Rogue One audiobook, which if you want to check out a... A uh, free copy of, of Rogue One. You can do so if you go to uh, the, the website. <laughs> uh, AudibleTrial.com slash entertaining. I think that's what it is. But anyway, you can go there and get a free audiobook. And you can get Catalyst, which is what I listen to, which is the lead-in for Rogue One. And it's, it's really well done, worth it. And other than that, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XV. That game is fantastic. Mo, have you played it yet?
1: I started the tutorial and then haven't gone back. Do you not like the combat system? or? Uh, okay. This is my very first Final Fantasy game, and I would rather play a first-person shooter. Like, I just, like, I, I I jumped in. I'm like, oh, swinging my axe, using some magic. Cool. I have Skyrim now. I can do that there, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish, um, I'll probably give it a chance over the break, because I've got three weeks with no school and no practice, and I have to do something with myself or I'll go crazy. Um, but <laughs> that was the like, I went through, played the tutorial, I was like, okay that that's fine. uh I'm gonna go play something else. Oh, so I'm twenty hours and, in or so now, yeah but remember like you have a little background with it, but like as well, and you really love like uh Dragon age and those kind of games, whereas remember like i'm I'm still kind of infant style i sports games shooters, yes, I've got fifteen years with those. everything else I've got like three years with. So I'm still kind of growing up with those. And it'll just just it just, it take me time. Same thing with The Witcher 3. Like, after you pushed me on it and pushed me on it, now I'm another 10, 15 hours into that since the last time we talked and really enjoying it.
0: That's mm-hmm. yeah, a good so. game,
1: too. Yep.
0: Um, but, yeah, the Final Fantasy 15 really good so far. I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm into Chapter 4 at this point. There's 13 chapters. And I really uh, am digging the story. The combat system is really nice. It's just, I don't know, there's something about this game. I just really like it. It's, it's great. Um, there is a video that you can watch on the PSVG uh, YouTube channel. And that is of me unboxing Final Fantasy XV, the Ultimate Collector's Edition. And behind the curtain peak, ladies and gentlemen, it was shot by one Mr. Alex DeWahey. He was the man behind the mic, or behind the camera,
1: whatever it is. (laughs) I'm still mad that I couldn't get my hands on that one. So (laughs) good. I'm still bitter. So, dude, (laughs)
0: so good. Because it comes with with the the movies and everything, too. I pre-ordered that one. Well, it
2: sounds like it was really well filmed, so I'll have to check that out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, audiobook website is audibletrial.com slash entertaining if you would like to get a free audiobook. For instance, Catalyst. I recommend Catalyst if you want to get more information on the Rogue One characters. Really well done. All right. So I think that about does it. Mo, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, on Twitter at Coach Hulk.
0: How about you, Alex?
2: On Twitter at doue1h1.
0: And you can find the show at Entertaining Pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And you can find me at VoicedByNathan. by Nathan. That'll do it for this month's episode. The December twenty sixteen, the last episode of twenty sixteen is in the books. And also, this is a an anniversary episode. I think this is our second anniversary uh, for years. So December 20th, 2014 was when our podcast first came out. So that means this is our second year anniversary. Aw. Hey, guys. Woo!
1: Oh, wait, no. Is that right? I hope so, because that means I got to make it on an anniversary, even though I wasn't cool enough for episode 100, even though I sent him that very heartfelt email. He didn't send me a heartfelt email. Well, I'm meant to. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, Mo. So, yeah, this is uh, our anniversary. December 19th, 2014 was the very first episode of That's Entertaining. And this is technically the 101st episode of That's Entertaining. Obviously, we have the entertaining chat. A
1: palindrome!
0: Ba-ba-ba-ba! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, we, uh, we'll be... Putting this out on our second anniversary, December 19th. Actually, no, this is going to be out early. I just want to let you know our.
1: Happy anniversary, guys.
0: Oh, thanks. Thanks, buddy. I'm really proud of you. So, uh, for Mo, for Alex, for myself, we thank you for listening. We thank you for joining us. We will catch you again next month in the year 2017. And we hope that you have been entertained.